football fandom, welcome back to Shy Guys Football Podcast. We're moving on with some more AFC off-season talk. My name is Donnie Mack, and I'm joined here again with Anthony Lukasik. Hey, great to be back. All right, well, let's just get right back into this. You know, what we're talking about is a big, interesting off-season, especially with the year we're having worldwide, and there's some interesting moves and some interesting developments happening as a result. Let's jump right in. AFC South. Let's talk some Colts football. Yeah, let's break down the Colts. You know, they added Phillip Rivers uh, moving on from Jacoby Brissett in that experiment. Uh, this has all the feelings of pretty much just a stopgap. I mean, Phillip Rivers is about 38 years old. You know, uh, they drafted uh, Jacob Eason. Uh, I'm not certain if they think that he's going to be the long-term solution after Phillip Rivers or if they just kind of got a wait-and-see guy. I mean, they got a really good value on him in the draft. I think it was only like a fourth or fifth round pick that they spent to pick this guy up. So they could move on from him pretty pretty easily if they wanted to. Uh, me, I think that kid kind of has a lot of talent, and uh, he's got a really big arm. With him, it was always kind of a, you know, it was a work ethic thing with him at uh, in college, and so a, a lot of people were concerned about his character. I think that that's why you saw him fall in a lot of drafts, that he just wasn't really willing to put the work in. So, you know, we'll see what he does at the NFL level. This guy's 22 years old. He's six foot six and just huge arm talent you know this guy a lot by a lot of people is considered a first round talent as far as physically wise so you know we'll see um we'll see what develops with him in the meantime we got philip rivers coming in and you know we definitely saw his play declining last year in San, in uh, los angeles uh i'm sorry uh you know he had 20 interceptions uh Philip Rivers can be a gunslinger. Traditionally, he's pretty careful with the football. You know, he's getting up there in age. Frank Reich came out and said he thinks that he can still get it done. And so, personally, I'm, I'm looking at Philip Rivers this year on this Colts team. Is is not much of a difference over that Los Angeles team. I mean, you can say what you want about the offensive line. I think that's probably really the only big difference here. Uh, running backs are clearly, you know, uh, uh, a little bit better in the situation than they were last year in Los Angeles. But, uh, you know... With Rivers, I think you can expect about another 20 uh, interceptions, maybe about 20 to 26 touchdowns, somewhere in that range. Um, I think I think it depends on what you believe about him, but for me, he's just he's aging and could still get it done. But you're not going to get peak Philip Rivers performance. Yeah, so a little more of the status quo, a little more of the the, the same we've seen of recent out of Philip Rivers. I mean, sure, but you got to remember too. This Colts team is a better team overall than the uh, the Chargers are, though. I mean, the Chargers are known for being one of the uh, worst run teams in the league, to be honest with you, just from the top down standpoint. Um, and when you when you go get into the ownership, it's just behind the scenes stuff. And so, with this Colts, they're they're a much better run team, and you and you can see that even with Frank Reich as the head coach. If you look at how what they did last year, they were third in the division, but they finished on a seven and nine record, having incredibly porous quarterback play injuries all over the place really depleted receiver core uh eric ebron went down who they were relying on as a red zone target. it just it was a disaster and uh had a, having uh andrew luck kind of retire you know last second before the season just kind of threw everything into a flux kudos for frank reich and finishing seven and nine so i am actually a little bit excited so what he can do with you know some of the talent that he has, and then a capable guy in Philip Rivers. But I don't think that this guy's. I'm just saying that he's not the salvation coming in here. He's gotcha. he, he's he's got some talent to work with, though. Well, that's good to hear. Let me ask you this, Marlon Mack. Hmm. Do you have a role this year? 
Yeah, that's the that's the big question, right? With Jonathan Taylor coming in, um, you know, Jonathan Taylor is as close to a my guy for me. I've been watching him all throughout college, is as you can get. And look, I'm an, I'm as high on this guy as anybody, but you know, Marlon Mack is kind of like the Cadillac version of Jordan Howard, right? Just continually gets it done at a high level, con- continuously efficient year after year, and every single offseason, you're hearing the Colts team just throw shade at Marlon Mack and how they don't want to go into the season with him as the lead dog and it's like well now you bring in Jonathan Taylor and so now you have that and and they're talking up a, a 1A 1B kind of a situation I'm always kind of lead, I always tend to lean more towards the incumbent over a rookie especially towards the beginning of the season now if you want to talk about back half seasonal value with Jordan uh, Jonathan Taylor you know that's that's great, and, he, and he's probably going to have that. I'm a little bit skeptical about how much more opportunity he's going to get over Marlon Mack in the first like, quarter of the season, like the first four games. Really leading into the halfway point, I think, is, is where you're going to see things start to shift a little bit. But, you know, your fantasy football season is only 13 weeks long. You know, yeah, Jonathan Taylor will probably be great for you in the playoffs, but you need to make the playoffs first. And so... Right now, you see Jonathan Taylor going in like the third, fourth round of uh, fantasy football drafts, whereas Marlon Mack is going way later than I think. I think his ADP plays, puts him right around the seventh round mark, and so it, it's like, yeah, I, I can understand the argument if you don't want to take both guys in the draft and you want Taylor ahead of him, and that's maybe where you have to take him to get him because everybody wants this guy, but. I almost say let people spend that early draft capital on Taylor. Let them get a little bit annoyed with, you know, how he's not carrying the team in the in the beginning of the season. And you can get Marlon Mack as a discount and maybe uh, sneak a few wins early in the season uh, that can maybe help you out in making the playoffs late in the year. All right, now you and I have talked off camera, and so I know your feelings about this next guy, about T.Y. Hilton. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> who I've had before on teams. And I've been happy with, and I've been burned by, and I've probably been burned more times than I've been happy. He has a high ADP. We're looking at 43, putting him as a, as a WR17. You've yeah. got him on your list as a 28. Yeah, I have him pretty low. I continually throw shade on T.Y. Hilton every offseason, <laughs> and I'm, o- I'm okay with doing it, to be honest with you. Prove me wrong. Right? <laughs> um you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can say what you want about uh, five 1,000-yard seasons out of eight. Uh, usually averages somewhere in the four to six touchdown range, five or six, you know, something like that. Um, not numbers that are going to blow you away. Pretty good for right around the area that he's getting drafted. If that's what you knew his floor was, sure. Yeah. You know, I got no problem with it. Um, <clears throat> my argument for T.Y. is almost... Just move. I want to see him moved into the slot and just play almost exclusively out of the slot role with uh, Pittman and Paris Campbell on the outside. You know, you, they, these guys drafted Paris Campbell to be the next T.Y. Hilton. He's bigger, stronger, and faster. And Pittman is just a, a, a huge monster as well. Let T.Y. play out of the slot. The guy's a great route runner. And Phillip Rivers really likes his short PPR or short target PPR guys. He likes winging it downfield, and he likes his short PPR guys and his checkdowns out of the backfield, of course, a la Austin Eckler last year. And so... Uh, when you look at how Keenan Allen's been successful, I'd really like to see T.Y. use more in that role than as the guy who's just going to break away from you, right? Um, I'd like to see him break away in, in coverage and just kind of get some separation and take some passes underneath and really uh, increase his target volume. I, I doubt that we're going to see that, but that's that's where I would be interested in T.Y. Hilton. Um, I have concerns about his health. I have concerns about his targets total. You know, this guy's probably going to be averaging somewhere around 
60 to 70 receptions for the year. And so um, can he get to 1,000 yards on that? Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, with Phillip Rivers, you know, I, I don't know the passes are going to get there accurately. I don't know that T.Y. is a guy that can go get it. I'm, I'm not certain that um, – you know, he's going to stay healthy. I'm not certain that he's going to get the kind of volume. It, these are all just a lot of big question marks for where he's going sure. in the, you know, is, was it the fourth round? And so I'd rather take somebody else with a safer floor and a higher upside. Yeah. So even with Rivers coming in and throwing the ball, still still keep some hesitation on T.Y. I mean, I do. I, I, I have this argument with people every year. There, if you're a T.Y. guy, you're a T.Y. guy. And there's nothing that I can say to turn you off this guy. He's definitely he's, – he's had a top five fantasy football finish at the position before back in 2016. And so, you know, it, it, I get the argument. I get what his ceiling is. It's just I don't I, – I see too many risk factors in getting to that ceiling. And so – and I, I see too many risk factors at, at drafting him at that position saying, hey, he should have at least this kind of floor. Because I, the, the floor for T.Y. Hilton on any given week is zero. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that's not what I'm looking for out of my wide receiver 17. Not at all. <laughs> all right, shifting gears a little bit. Hmm. Doyle. Do we do we have a year out of Doyle this year? Well, O'Doyle rules. Yeah? Yeah, well, O'Doyle rules, man. Uh, you know, with uh, Jack Doyle, you lose Eric Ebron, who was really his main competition at the tight end uh, position here. You have just the big guy in Moali Cox that uh, I feel like almost everybody wants to see break out. You know, just, just because it'd be fun to watch. This guy's a monster. And so you have that. You have Trey Burton they brought in, who was the, the busted Chicago Bear. And, uh, you know... I don't know that those two necessarily get much of uh, an impact this this season or not. I'm, I'm just not sure if the team is going to use them, to be honest with you. And so I think that if you want to take a late-round flyer on Jack Doyle, if if Doyle's the guy and he's the only guy really getting the on-field uh, snaps, basically by week three or four, we should know. You, you can take a look at if you go uh, if you guys play on the sleeper platform like we have a, a, our league on, uh, it actually shows you snap percentages when you go look at the player profiles. And so if Jack Doyle is getting the, up in the 80-90% uh, you know, of the snaps and Mo Cox and Trey Burton are really not getting on the field, then yeah, I think uh, Doyle is in for a huge year this year just because of how much uh, Philip Rivers likes his tight end position. But if he's got to split that time, and uh, I think that Mo Alley is going to have a good shot at taking a step forward, I'm curious to see if they're going to give Burton a shot. So we'll, we'll see. It's either going to be muddled or all on Doyle. So either way, you're going to know really early. So keep your eye on that. Okay, and last thing, uh, showing up some defense spots. Any, any standouts? Yeah, you know, you bring in Xavier Rhodes from the Vikings, and uh, he's a younger guy that had a lot of issues with penalties while he was over in Minnesota. Uh, they brought him on in a pretty low contract, though. So I'd be interested to see if, you know, this uh, this Colts team can coach him up a little bit and get a little bit more production out of him. The big ad was obviously DeForest Buckner bringing him in during the draft from the 49ers, right? Which, um, man, <laughs> DeForest Buckner is just a monstrous add to this already great defense. I mean, I know they need Malik Hooker to kind of step up and be the guy they drafted him to be, but uh, just, uh, a monster in the middle of that defense. Uh, he was... Uh, Damn near if he didn't lead the league in tackles his rookie season. I know he was definitely the defensive rookie of the year uh, that year. You know, this is a this is a great defense with a lot of talent on it, so I fully expect this offense to be able to move the ball efficiently on the ground with uh, Marlon Mack and uh, Jonathan Taylor. I'm a little bit concerned about 
the consistency of Philip Rivers' production passing the ball downfield. But, you know, we'll see. This is the best line in, offensive line in football. So we'll see how it plays out. Excellent. All right. Moving through the division, let's head down to Jacksonville and talk about the Jags and Minshew's magic show. I love that note there. Yeah, Minshew, man, he's just uh... – He's a character, you know. He's 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 got that that great mustache going. He's got the, <laughs> the late round draft capital, just out of nowhere, dark horse took over took the world by storm last year, and uh, now you don't have Nick Foles there anymore. And they really committed to him being the guy. So you know he's either going to do great and they got their guy, or he's going to completely flop and they're going to go get Trevor Lawrence. So you know it's kind of a win win for the Jags right now. <laughs> and uh, you know Gardner Minshew is just a guy that you just want to see him succeed. <laughs> yep. He's you know, so funny and just a character. Great football player. He's got really good football instincts. He's got a lot of room to grow. Makes a lot of mistakes. But, you know, um, this is a guy that can, that has proven that he could get it done. And he's got some weapons to utilize, you know. Uh, DJ Chark, namely, is just a, a monster. And uh, I can't say enough good things about him. Going through it, I mean... You look at the backfield here in Jacksonville, and Leonard Fournette is basically just going. Is he's the only show in town? I know. So, Doug, Doug Marone brought in um, Jay Gruden from the Redskins, right? And I think Jay Gruden kind of got a bad rap over there. It just there was not a lot that he could do in that with the, with what he was given. Um, and so when they bring in Jay Gruden uh, to be the offensive coordinator for this team, I actually I'm a little bit excited about that. I, I'd love to see Jay Gruden get back to doing what he was known for doing best. Uh, I think he was a great head coach, but he was a fantastic offensive coordinator yeah. too once upon a time ago. And so with him having this backfield and the tools that he's got to work with, he brought in Chris Thompson, who he had familiarity with. For Fournette, I think what we're looking at is just workhorse running back role uh, with Chris Thompson being used situationally by Jay Gruden, who knows how to use them. And so with Fournette here, I think it's all the work until the wheels fall off, man. Yeah, so let's let's touch on that for a bit from a fantasy perspective. Fournette came out a couple years back and made his name pretty big. Sure, yeah. But has fallen back a bit. Now, we're still seeing ADP of 36. Is yeah. that, is that a little high? Is that a little optimistic? No, to, uh, to be honest with you, I don't think so. I think that's almost right around on par. I mean, give or take a little bit, right? But, uh, you know, Leonard Fournette, the guy took a lot, had a lot of mileage put on his body in college and took a lot of, uh, a lot of tough sledding hits and, you know, dealt with a lot of injury. And so when the Jaguars drafted him in the first round, I feel like they and everyone else knew that he was coming with a lot of question marks and risk factors for a first round pick, but you also saw what his upside could be. And so coming in his rookie year, yeah, he, he flashed and definitely showed almost that sign of the same thing. And then ever since then, it's just been a, one headache after another, whether it's injuries, whether it's off the field issues, whether it's just arguments with the coaching staff or just everything. And just Fournette's kind of his own character and he's almost kind of like a diva, to be honest with you, as far as NFL players are concerned. And so uh, when you look at this guy, I think that this team has, no desire to keep him around. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. You know, he's in his contract year. I think that this is really an audition tape season for him. I think that he might know that. I think his time is going to be done in Jacksonville, and they just want to get everything they can out of him before they move on. So, yeah, like I said, uh, all the production to the wheels fall off. And so I think you could feel kind of safe with that. Now, granted, I think he, he runs like a you know a 25-year-old going on 50. But... Um, <laughs> 
you know, he, he you can definitely see the mileage and wear and tear on his body. He just didn't look good last season. He looked slow. But uh, he's going to get the volume enough to give you at least a safe floor. So with that in mind and what he's technically capable of on his eye upside, if you want to take a shot on him in your drafts, I feel like for his ADP, it's it's, it's right around where his average to floor should be. So it's a, it's a pretty yeah. fair value. And I, there's from a fantasy perspective, there's definitely something to be said for someone who is going to be consistent, even if not giving you those huge breakaway weeks that you can at least count on them. Yeah, it's not exciting. Sure. To, you know, to have the guy having the same amount of points every week, you're not seeing those 25s all the time or 30s randomly throughout a season like some guys give you, but that you can't count on that every week. And if you've got someone who's going to get you reliable fantasy points, that's worth a stash. That's yeah, I mean, you're looking at him as a – realistically, you're looking at Fournette as your RB2, right? And so do you? I think the big question is do you realistically need to trust him to put up those – monstrous games because he will have a few where he puts up two or three touchdowns what i'm saying is that there's a lot of game breaking ability on this offense and so if Minshew can get it done and if the receivers you know hold up their own end and everything kind of flows together here for jacksonville a little bit better than it did last year you're you're looking at some pretty decent production just out of a sheer volume standpoint for leonard fournette so speaking of dj shark shark week yeah shark week we're going to see Shark a big season. year. We're seeing, <laughs> looking at some of the ADP lists again, mid-50s. Yeah, he's a little bit down there, you know, and I get it. He had a, a, a pseudo breakout last year. Um, you would have liked to see him be a little bit more reliable, I think. What, I have him ranked uh, just egregiously high, and I, I get that. I'm good with that. Um, <laughs> at least you admit it. Yeah, That's you know, um, for me... I'm expecting the consistency to show up this year. I think you've stabilized the quarterback position. Absolutely. That was huge last year and just the impact that that's going to have. And, you know, everyone was talking about D.D. Westbrook going into last season as the PPR monster in the slot because that's what Nick Foles loves. Well, lo and behold, we get Gardner Minshew, and now everything is just, you know, the table is <laughs> completely turned over. And then they bounce back, back and forth. Chark kind of got identified early in the season as the lead dog over there, so you know he got a little bit more attention from, de- from defenses. He would look. He was this guy was only in his second season, and so this guy's going into the third year of his career. He's a six foot four, monster catch radius, monster talent. I for me, I kind of put uh, DJ Chark and Corton Sutton as the next, uh, the league's next Julio Jones, AJ Green. You know what I'm saying? And so. For me, DJ Chark is in a, a much better situation where he's the clear one, and and you know there's a lot, there's some other miles to feed over there in Jacksonville, but nothing that I think is going to really eat away from DJ Chark over there in Denver. It's a completely different story, and so we'll, we'll get to that when we get there. Yeah. But uh, the only other addition here is Tyler Eifert at uh, tight end, and you know I'm I'm pulling for the guy to step up and be the guy that everyone has year after year hoped that he can be. Well, injuries, man, <laughs> injuries, injuries, injuries. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, let's talk defense real quick. Jags have, in the past, had a very fantasy-relevant defense. We're talking 20, 2017 in particular. That was a, a defense that was getting you a surprising amount of points, and we've kind of just slipped over the years since then. Yeah, they put up some monster numbers back in, what was it, 2017, uh, when they went to the playoffs and had that deep run. Um Blake Bortles had the only good year of his career. <laughs> um, you know, with this defense, it, it's unfortunate. Uh, you had to let go of Jalen Ramsey and uh, A.J. Bouye. 
Uh, you had to let go of Calais Campbell. Uh, you know, just big money guys, and uh, with in Ramsey's case, so I think a lot of it was uh, just just disruption. You know, had a big deal. He he was asking for the trade, and uh, you know they they've effectively tried to replace these guys and tried. They're 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 actively trying to um, bring that kind of defense back, and they still have Miles Jack. Uh, holding over from this kind of defensive revamp and uh there's a lot of there's a lot of turnover on this team and so i say give it some time before we expect them to have any kind of chemistry together and uh kind of really flow together it takes teams a minute to gel and so uh they'll either come in and surprise everybody or it's gonna it's, it's gonna take them a minute and we'll you should be pretty happy with uh somewhere near a, a, a eight and eight finish here all right First place division, Texans. Yeah. And we've got Watson. Yeah, you know, the Texans finished first in the division last year. They almost always seem to somehow make the playoffs. Now, whether that's because Bill O'Brien really is a, a genius that had his method to his madness trading DeAndre Hopkins. Um, <laughs> or is a weak division. And, uh, you know, I kind of lean towards the latter of those two in the in the more recent uh, history. And so you know the Titans, they're they're going to be challenging to pull it, pull away with with this division. And uh, you know the Colts are looking to take a major step up too. I think if anybody, I think it, I really realistically, this is going to be a three-headed race uh, for the uh, division title this year between the Colts, Texans, and Titans. Uh, I kind of have it Titans, Colts, Texans right now. Uh, purely because with with this Texans team, this defense kind of looks like it's doing its best impression of Toby Keith, and it's just not <laughs> as good as it once was. Um, but Deshaun Watson is is he's the real deal, man. This guy is just a winner, and uh, you know he's got that elite level rushing ability, and he's actually a, one of those quarterbacks that he's got the arm talent to get it done too. Now, now Bill O'Brien kind of took away his baby blankie and uh with the andre hopkins and you know that's a really interesting move so i'm i've referenced it twice already so let's just go through that they traded deandre hopkins in a fourth round pick for david johnson and a 2020 second round pick and a 2021 fourth round pick that just seems like a steal on the cardinal side it's a you know many people were calling bill o'brien the the cardinals best gm they've ever had and so you know uh it I think everyone just had that Scooby Doo um, <laughs> reaction to that move. Uh, I, I don't get it. I, I mean, I, I, I kind of get it. You want to get some value out of Hopkins because sure. you don't think you're going to be able to pay him. Okay, um, sure. But they t- they turn around and use a second round pick, bringing in Brandon Cooks. Is that realistically the best replacement for Hopkins? Not if you're going to try to run the style of offense that you have been running. But it doesn't seem to me like. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, and, not a terrible pickup in general. No, but. yeah, but he's he's no replacement for Hopkins, right. you know. And so, but to be fair, the industry's already kind of disrespecting this team. And so, uh, when it comes to Deshaun Watson, I think you're getting him at a better value that you might ever get him for the rest of his career in a redraft league. I think with Brandon Cooks going in the eighth round is just egregious, and he's on my roster every time I get to the eighth round, unless someone you know, knows what I'm trying to do and snags him before me. Um, you know, some people want to call Will Fuller to be the one that steps up in this offense. Uh, cool, if that's your thing. Uh, my point would probably be that Brandon Cooks has been a 1,000-yard receiver multiple times over the course of his career, who, you know, I, I get the injury uh, history argument and all that, but 
Will Fuller's only done this a few games at a time over the course of multiple seasons and also has just as much, if not a more concerning injury history than Brandon Cooks. And so, yeah, I love the talent of Will Fuller. Don't get me wrong. I was a huge supporter of him coming out of ND. But um, I just think that Brandon Cooks is the guy to take your shot on. And if someone grabs him before you, then, yeah, just go ahead and grab Will Fuller and, you know, just take your gamble. But I think Cooks is the one you want to target here. Uh, beyond that, you have Randall Cobb and QT, just a, a couple more slot receivers, yep. you know. And so what is this offense realistically going to look like? Well, I think it's going to look like uh, Deshaun Watson having no choice, but just to run all over the place a, a little bit more than uh, we've seen him typically do. And it's not like that was a low amount to begin with. And so um, if you want to talk about anybody having the kind of season uh, that Lamar had last year or this year, uh, I would say Deshaun Watson sneakily – uh, might might be able to get that done. Uh, this, this guy's just too much of a talent to sleep on that much. Now, there, there is something I want to touch on here for fantasy players, particularly since the addition of Randall Cobb, slot receivers, what kind of value are we looking at in fantasy? I mean, it's tough to say that. Uh, is this is, is a position that you want to pick up someone for maybe a flex spot or a WR3 as a slot receiver? Are we going to see, is it someone that just look for the name and don't worry about that they are a slot receiver? Do you just not even care about that? Is any consideration there at all? Yeah, okay, for sure. That's a, that's, a, that's a really good question, actually, because for a lot of people, they like to target these PPR machines if you're in any kind of PPR format, right? And so when you look at your receivers, it, you have to look more at the specific receiver and the specific situation they're in, right? Um, you know, a lot of times these... these, these uh, career slot receiver guys aren't usually going to carry your uh, your team and be a completely dominant force in the aspect of they're not going to put up the Julio Jones types of numbers. The one exception is going to be like Juju Smith-Schuster, right? Uh, the theory is, is that they're supposedly moving him back into the slot. I think we covered this yesterday. And so when, when, when you look at Juju, well, he's in a position where he can be hyper-targeted out of the slot. He can be that hunter reception kind of guy. Uh, in this offense I think if Big Ben is back and you know that was kind of the point yesterday and so uh, Julian Edelman another career slot guy not going to be your number one but is going to be a solid wide receiver two or three for you you know just kind of depending on what you're looking at and what you're looking for the for the position so you know you got to look at these individual players and their individual circumstances look for the number one receiver on the team look for how many times they get targeted you want you want guys that are going to have a lot of targets no matter what julio jones always going to have a ton of targets you know larry fitzgerald is a, is a great example he was a perimeter receiver who was just dominant for the majority of like 75 percent of his career and then in most recent years he, he very visibly lost a step and for fantasy we saw that we saw uh, you know, he just plummeted in value and so uh for larry what they did at that point was they moved him into the slot and it kind of gave him like uh, almost uh, a res- uh, second breath, a second wind at uh, that wide receiver position and uh, for, for fantasy value as well. And, uh, you know, moving into the slide is a little bit easier to get open. So it, you got to look at the specific situations. You can't just target somebody just because they are this type of receiver and say, well, they're going to fill that spot on my team. It, it doesn't work that way. You have to just uh, pick out the situations that you like. Pick out your guys. Yeah. All right. Good advice there. Well, rounding out the division, let's talk about the Titans and Ryan Tannehill. I am so much looking forward to actually drafting Titans players this year. 
Um, I would never. My my whole thing about was with Mariota was as long as he's there, I will not own a Titans receiver that I have to pay good capital for. You know what I mean? Which is a shame because some guys on. I mean, one of your my guys is here. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to him. Yeah. Um, you know, with Tannehill though, yeah. I, I, so what last year? What we saw at the end of the year was just unfreakishly just numbers that don't happen when you look at the statistics as far as uh, efficiency and passing production and touchdowns. This guy was only pitching about like 20 to 26 passes a game, but putting up multiple touchdowns. And um, you typically don't see offenses moving the ball and scoring that as much like that. Um, now, part of that is, you know, just a difference in play of him over Mariota. So part of it was, you know, Derrick Henry and part of it was, just a whole my you know this Tennessee Titans team always kind of seems to me to be the team that they <clears throat> they seem to consistently get it done somehow like they have talented players don't get me wrong but they're not gonna just wow you with the talent all across the roster sure. they're not just stacking superstars over here and so they always kind of find seem to find this weird like heist like movie about like a high school football team team <laughs> chemistry like remember the tight almost like remember the yeah. titan style right and with this just they just flow together and gel together so well and play off each other you know you lose Jarrell casey this year i think that's going to hurt a little bit more than they'd like to admit um but they they have so much talent on this roster and they just seem to gel together very well and get things done in a way that you usually wouldn't predict that they would and so i mean look at derrick henry is a uh, a freak at the running back position. I mean, what do you want to believe about him? This guy is going to get like 20, 20 carries a game, right? And we're hoping that his body doesn't break down. We're hoping that this line can still protect him as well without Jack Conklin there. But, you know, they did move. Uh, they did go ahead and uh, tried to get their uh, re- Jack Conklin replacement in uh, the tackle that they got in the draft with uh, Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia. And so... I, I don't know that you lose that much going from that transition. Um, maybe that affects Henry a little bit. So with Henry, it's kind of one of those things where I, I look at him when I'm drafting in that like six, seven, eight, nine spot. Um, depending on your draft, you can usually get him somewhere in there. And I, I'm usually looking at him and Joe Mixon. And I'm trying to decide between those two. And I have Joe Mixon ranked technically ahead of him on my draft board and who, who we both like yeah no i'm i'm a massive mixing fan it's just it's it's hard to turn away from the kind of production that derrick henry's had over last season and then the big thing was is the season before that when he really kind of stepped it up over the final portion of the season everyone was questioning okay is this the real derrick henry or is the three and a half years worth of tape we have at derrick henry and he actually got it done for a whole season so you know kudos where kudos are due and so it it's it's a lot any other year, I would have said, you know, Joe, Joe Mixon in, in a heartbeat. I, I will not touch Derrick Henry. I, I want a back who's going to be catching out of the backfield with my top picks. I want that kind of uh, safety blanket of receiving production from my top running backs. Derrick Henry, though, he's he is the exception, and you can you can treat him as such. So, uh, excellent. Coming coming after him is is uh, the, the draft pick Darrington Evans, who they brought in to kind of replace Deion Lewis. Uh, Evans is is great. You know he's uh, five foot ten, two hundred pound, kind of comped to Rojo, Justice Hill, uh, the new Deion Lewis. Yeah, you know I don't I don't see him taking too much production away from Derrick Henry because this this team clearly wants to throw the ball out of the back. You know, speaking of Derrick Henry and Joe Mixon, so I'm gonna go off on my little soapbox for Please. a minute. You know, 
Last year, I'm watching Joe Mixon, and I, I made a comment about how they just didn't seem to want to use him in the passing game over in Cincinnati and how disappointing that was. And Derrick Henry was kind of the opposite of that, right? Here's the every down runner who you're just going to hand him the ball and just let him plow through via wrecking ball. And yet the Titans kept trying to use him as a pass catcher out of the backfield. And he'll either not even come close to catching the ball or he'll grab it and take off for 70 yards and score a touchdown. You get both out of Henry and it's just, it's kind of weird to watch, but in any case, it looks like the Titans want Henry to be the guy that they can swing the pass out to every now and again. And it almost looks like the Bengals want to be the team that doesn't care about using the running back in the, in the receiving game. And so I, last year I was yelling for a one for one Derrick Henry for Joe Mixon trade. Just let, let, let's see that happen. Yeah. Let's see. Joe Mixon go over to the Titans and Derrick Henry go to the Bengals and just let these offenses kind of have the guy that they actually want and want to utilize the way that they were built to use. And that, that would be such so much. That's my fantasy football wish. How about that? <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, Darrington Evans, you know, should should Derrick Henry go down, I think you can get a lot of good production out of Darrington Evans. So you could, this is a, a guy that you can trust as a handcuff. And, and anything more than just a handcuff? Any more confidence in that? Or is it just no. you picking him up as the handcuff and maybe you get lucky? No. Uh, you know, with Vrabel, he likes to run the defense-heavy, run-heavy run teams. And I, with those kinds of teams, you don't see as many offensive snaps. You don't see as many uh, production plays. You don't see as much production on the offensive sides of the ball. I think that they're just going to feed, feed and feature Derrick Henry. And uh, at least until he, if I'm not mistaken, he has not yet been signed to his long-term deal. And so for now, we can just assume that they're just going to ride him into the dirt and not really care about the mileage on his body. And so with Evans, uh, I think you'll see him being played situationally and he'll be effective situationally, but I don't think that he'll bring fantasy football value that you can count on on a consistent basis. All right. There's a name I'm going to say next, just because I want to get the reaction, because I know you've got a lot to say. About Jonu Smith. Oh, Jonu Smith is my boy, man. This guy's a physical freak. You know, a little bit smaller as far as tight ends are concerned. I think yeah, they they had him out in uh, as at six foot three, I think, and uh, whatever. That's still big enough. Whatever. He, <laughs> the guy's just so physically ridiculous, and he's. I can't count how many times I just watched him just saunter downfield and just be wide open. And, you know, Mariota couldn't hit him. Or even when Tannehill was a quarterback, Tannehill was hitting him. And he was just just standing there like, all right, here's the ball. Cool. Touchdown. Yay. You know, like the guy just get, gets past everybody. And he doesn't have Delaney Walker in front of him anymore. This is really – it's Brucey's time to sign. And, you know, um, with Jonu Smith, I think that you can really trust this guy to have some production in this offense. And he's one of the the, uh, the kind of un, the lower value uh, – tight ends that a lot of people are saying, saying hey if you're going to stream the position take your shot on these guys in the draft he's in that grouping and with him I think that he might have the safest floor out of any of those uh, guys that you're taking a shot on because realistically he may be the number two option in this offense I, I understand that uh, the argument that I make about not a lot of production out of this offense but he might be the number two option and you know, A.J. Brown last year only had about, what was it, like 67 receptions or something near near that number. You know, he took a lot of them to the house because he couldn't be stopped. I think that that kind of efficiency is going to come down a little bit. Um, but his overall reception total, you know, I would expect to see it somewhere around there. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes up just a little bit. Corey Davis is going to be the big question mark. Can Corey Davis step up and really be the receiver that he was drafted to be with Ryan Tannehill? Um, you know, uh, chance on Corey Davis round four, I guess. Let's do it. All right. 
Anything else to add for the Titans? Uh, no, I think that just about covers it, man. All yeah. right. Moving on to the final division of the AFC, the AFC West. Uh, we've got a team here. Uh, first of all, we've got our, our championship team coming out of this division. Okay. Yeah. We've got a team who's going to be calling a new city home. Yes. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of changes in the AFC West, and you have a lot of weird stuff going on too. And so, um, you know, we'll, we'll get to the we'll get to the Mahomes contract when we get to the Chiefs here in a few teams. But uh, you know, starting with the Broncos here, they finished second in the division at seven seven and nine under first year coach uh, Vic Fangio, um, a guy that I was really you know sad to see leave. And uh, they finished both at uh, at twenty at twenty eighth in both yards and points uh, offensively for the year. But their defense has always been perennially great, uh, you know, 12th in yards, 10th in points. And so they really want this offense to take a step forward. They really, uh, really attacked this offense in the offseason, bringing in guys like Melvin Gordon, drafting Jerry Judy, drafting KJ Hamler, bringing in Albert O, all over the place. And I'm a little bit concerned at how many skill position players they brought in. I, f I feel like they they did need a little bit um, of work on that offensive line. I was a little bit worried about their offensive line play last year, and uh, I don't really feel like they they really addressed the that that position. Uh, I mean, you you, you bring in Graham Glasgow from the Lions, who I think is a pretty solid add. Uh, he's a good center. Um, we'll we'll see how that plays out, but. You know, they want to give Drew, John Elway, I guess, wants to give Drew Locke all the tools that he needs to succeed. And if he doesn't succeed right away, he can say, hey, <laughs> you know, okay, let's move on. Yeah, there you go. But, I mean, you know, we're getting to the point where John Elway's had so many misses on quarterbacks at this point. Um, I think that he's, he, it almost feels like he's scrambling to put something together to say, hey, I can identify a good quarterback other than me. Yeah. Um, you know, just with how many failed ones they've had there. Uh I just quite, you know, you got Cortland Sutton, and then you bring in another, another alpha in Jerry Judy. Uh, Sutton was really just starting to break out last season, despite the quarterback play, and this guy was just all over the field making monstrous catches. Um, I would really have loved to see him take a step forward. I'm a little nervous about him now this year with all those mouths to feed. You got Judy. You got to figure is going to come in and be in the perimeter on the other side, just off the bat. You know, KJ Hamler, they bring in, who's their, who's a speedster, but they also have Deshaun Hamilton still. And I don't know, I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't know if it felt like they needed to bring in Hamler. And so I'm a little bit concerned for both those guys, but just because I don't know what's going to happen with that. I, I, again, I usually lean incumbent over rookie, at least in the immediate, just because yeah. it's, it's, just, it's just the safer bet. Right. You know, if you want to put your money where your mouth is. And so. I, 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 Deshaun, you know, maybe they, maybe he didn't take as much of a step forward as they wanted him to, and I'll buy that argument. But uh, the kid actually definitely has some talent, and so I don't, I just don't know what they're doing there. And then Noah Fant stepped up last year. Everyone wants to see him take the next step forward this year. A lot of people are drafting him as their uh, younger tight end that they want to take a shot on later in drafts. With I don't see Drew Locke being able to feed all these mouths, and not even a little bit. And then they brought bring in Albert O, who Drew Locke's got that rapport with from their time at Mizzou together. And so you still have Jake Butt out of Michigan, who was also highly drafted, but came with a, a huge in, injury issue. And so this is going to be his kind of last chance to do something um, before they're just going to move on from him. But I mean, you, now you have Fant, Albert O, Jake. I, I don't. I don't know. You just. <laughs> 
Wow. A, why, a, a why, lot do you, of why do you need that? Why do you need that much? There right. was other holes that they could have filled. A lot yeah. happening in the offseason, but kind of more questions than answers. I think so. I think so. You know, you lose Janovich. I think that was a. They're gonna feel that pain a little bit more than uh, I think most people want to talk about. But uh, as far as Melvin Gordon goes. Uh, in this backfield with Philip Lindsay, I know that's going to be a huge question mark. Uh, with Melvin Gordon, I, I anticipate him kind of. I anticipate the Broncos using Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay almost identically to what Melvin Gordon and uh, Austin Eckler did back in 2018. All righty. Tyrod and the Chargers. Or is this going to be Tyrod versus Herbert? Yeah, I don't know. You know, um, so when Ty- so Tyrod, this is now his second year on the team. He came from the uh, by he came well, I guess he came from the Bills by way of Cleveland, right? And so during his time in Cleveland is what I want to reference here. He was brought in to be the starter while Baker was kind of eased into the league, and then like week three or four, here comes Baker and there goes Tyrod, and everyone was kind of okay with you know giving Tyrod the reins at least through the first half of the season, you know, and if you need to make an adjustment at that point, okay, go ahead and do it. It was kind of surprising how quickly they pulled the plug on him. Tyrod's always been a guy, kind of guy who can quietly get the job done in a sufficient enough manner. Now, he's not going to win you your leagues by any stretch of the imagination. But he can be a late-round value as far as what he brings to the table. He, he does have some wheels on him as well, even at his age. you got to remember, he doesn't have a lot of miles on him. And so uh, with Tyrod, he's, he's, he's capable, short-range passer with some, with some scrambling ability. I don't... I don't see the Chargers being a top-flight offense this year with it being either uh, Tyrod or uh, Herbert. I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed in the production, specifically for Austin Eckler. I see Austin Eckler going in the end of the first round sometimes. Yeah. I don't understand that at all. And so uh, Eckler going It's a big bet, for sure. Yeah, that is just such a... you're, You're paying for his upside, and it's like... That's not the value. That's not where you look at those are bust candidates. Yeah. You know, that's that's a risk. And so you got to be really careful with that. With Austin Eckler, I think he's talented enough to get uh, a lot of solid production this season, but I wouldn't be willing to pay for Austin Eckler any anywhere anywhere before even maybe middle of the third round, I think is the highest I'd go um, for him. So, and then you have Justin Jackson here, who I think is going to be there between the tackles guy. I think he's going to get a little bit more work than people are hoping for. I think they're hoping Eckler carries more of a load than he will. You got to remember uh, just a few seasons ago when Eckler had a shot to be the main guy when Gordon was out. Uh, Eckler could not get it done when he was the only show in town. And so I think that they're going to use Justin Jackson here to really take that load and uh, just kind of uh, weight off of Eckler. And, you know, they bring in uh, Kelly as well. I don't really think he profiles to um, be competitive with Justin Jackson here. I think he actually profiles more as a handcuff that the team wanted to invest in for Austin Eckler because they did pay Eckler a fair a bit of money. It wasn't anything earth-shattering. I think it was like a three-year, $24 million contract or somewhere or somewhere in that vicinity. And so with Kelly, I think he profiles more of an Eckler type. I, I see him uh, really... Uh, Great on the perimeter, catching passes out of the backfield. Uh, four four nine speed, which is, you know, pretty solid for a running back. Uh, it's pretty quick, and uh, I just think largely this team is going to be disappointing for fantasy football season this year. Keenan Allen is a great is a great talent. I think that he's not going to get as much volume as you wish that he would. Same goes for Mike Williams. Tyrod's not going to push the ball deep. It, it, you know, uh, Hunter Henry. I think a lot of people were excited for it. It just I feel bad for these guys. <laughs> you know. Yeah. They're well. Looking at the names that are there, 
guys that you want to do well, that can do well under the right circumstances, this is probably not the circumstance. Yeah, no, this is not it. And the and the and the unfortunate part is is you have Keenan Allen who's aging, and so how many more high end productive years are you realistically going to get out of him? And is Herbert even going to get to have that? Uh, I, I'm starting to lean no, but we'll see. Yeah, we will have to see. Anything spectacular going on in the defense? Uh, I mean, other than the fact that it is a spectacular defense, right? I mean, um, between Bosa and Ingram, and then. You know, you just have guys all over this defense that can just flat out ball out. Yeah. And so, you know, these guys were a top defense last year. I think they were uh, 14th in points allowed, but 6th in yards allowed. To go along with that, I noted that they were 4th in turnovers lost. So I think that that has a little bit to do with the disparity between the uh, offensive production yards and the points that uh, that you saw this defense give up. But, uh, yeah, these guys are... Are great and they're going to be they're going to be pretty great for a few years to come. They got a lot of young talent. Good. So a team to keep an eye on, and a team that everyone had their eye on last year. Yeah, the Chiefs, man. The Chiefs. What? what how much is there really to say? I mean, it's it's a we're talking about a championship team that we're not really expecting a championship hangover from. No, I wouldn't. I mean, I don't know that they're necessarily going to win it next year, right? But uh, just because it's so hard to do that from one year to the next, obviously, you don't really see repeats in the NFL. And so, uh, with that being said, try to stop Mahomes. That's the name of the game. Try to to stop him. And and, and this is a guy, you know, he's got the swagger for it. He's got the ability for it. He's got the arm strength for it. And he's got the physical body size for it. he had a down year last year playing hurt and was still a top option for fantasy football and just in the league in general. And that just speaks to how much this kid is just the real deal. I mean, there's a reason why he got a 10-year, $500 million contract. That doesn't happen. And so uh, this kid is something that doesn't happen. And so when you look at this team, it's, yeah, try to stop them. And they've built around him correctly. They have the field. They had the, the, the weapons to stretch the field. And he's got the, obviously the arms, maybe the one of the strongest arms in the league. Uh, between So with Tyree Kill and Nicole Hardman, you know, you got Sammy Watkins, who I think is going to just do weird things as usual and just be the lizard guy um, that he is, I, I guess. And uh, Travis Kelsey, you know, big guy over the middle. You got Damian Williams out of the backfield, and now Clay Edwards-Hilaire, who's their big draft pick, right? Hand-selected by Pat Mahomes, actually. I don't know if everybody heard this, but uh, Andy Reid came out and said, yeah, you know, when we were deciding between who to take, we were looking at the running backs available with that last pick in the, in the first round. And, you know, we asked Pat who he wanted, and his response was immediate, well, Edwards-Hilaire. And so... <laughs> Hey, if, okay. that's not, if that's not confidence. Yeah, right? you know, I mean, uh, okay, that's one hell of an endorsement, I guess. I mean, I personally, I would have gone with Taylor, JK, or maybe even Swift. But, uh, hey, you know, hey, well, yeah. who am I to argue? I, I am not at that level. So, <laughs> Are, are you going to be keeping an eye out for him in drafts this year for fantasy? I mean, for sure. You always got to keep your eye out for talent like that and with the opportunity that he's likely going to get. Now, here's that's my- That's a pretty optimistic ADP and see and then see that's going to be my point so when you look at these guys this is what I look for everywhere and then you look at where are they going and so Edwards Hilaire is a rookie with just monstrous talent but the thing about fantasy football and success is you got to mix talent with opportunity 
if you want to lean heavy on the opportunity, you're going to be a little bit disappointed in your production. If you want to lean heavy on the talent, you're going to be a little bit disappointed sometimes that these guys just don't get the opportunities that you would expect them to. And so you got to find the balance, right? Because these NFL teams, they're going to make business decisions. And so it's not always on what makes sense. What makes sense to me, Clyde Edwards Hilaire on the field every every single play as long as he's healthy. Uh, don't even try to don't even try to another running back out there. I don't think he's going to need a break. He's not going to think he's going to need a break, and everything will be K. Yeah, that's uh, realistically that's not going to happen, right? Sure. And so and so you got to look at it, right? Um, Damian Williams knows this offense now. This is now his third year. You can um, say what you want about his talent and his and Damian Williams' ability. They clearly felt the need to replace him with high draft capital, uh, you know, a high draft capital body, but. With Williams, I think that you know Andy Reid is not usually a guy who's going to rush a rookie onto the field. Now he did with Kareem Hunt, and I think that's that's where I, I think everyone is kind of expecting the Kareem Hunt against the Patriots breakout in that that first game of his rookie career, right? You're not, I don't think you're going to get that out of Edwards Hilaire necessarily. I mean, I'd have to take a look at the first game of the season for the Chiefs, but realis- realistically, Hunt really only got that opportunity to be that every down kind of guy. Because Spencer Ware was supposed to be their starting running back going into the season, uh, and got hurt in in the uh, in the preseason or training camp, one of the two. I don't remember that far back, but uh, you know, so that's why you saw what we saw at Kareem Hunt. Whereas with with Edwards Hilaire here, Damian Williams is not. Now, if Damian Williams were to go down or something like that were to happen, yeah, yeah, uh, probably first round pick. But as as it stands, I th- I think that there's. There's other factors in play here, and it's just—it's a little aggressive to take him that early. He's not a value there. Look for the guys that are uh, values for who's going to get the playing time, who's got the ability, and who's not being drafted at that high of a risk. Because people people drafting Edwards Hilaire this high, Lamar Jackson this high, that has an effect. Other guys like Todd Gurley are going to fall, and so look for those look for the guys that these guys should have been drafting in those spots and that's who you take and that's how you really win your drafts it's good advice and i think advice overall to take from the chiefs is if you liked him in fantasy and anyone from the team in fantasy last year you're gonna like him again this year for sure more more of the same they're gonna be putting up the volume and the production that you're gonna need yeah, you could probably trust McColl a little bit more. Uh, I still wouldn't trust Watkins. Kelsey and Tyreek are going to be top options at the position. And, yeah, other than that, th- this defense I'm a little bit concerned about. They finally started gelling towards the end of last season with their secondary. These, this was a poor secondary throughout most of the season. And then finally towards the end of the season, the back half, um, they, they really started stepping up, gelling together, having some chemistry, and just really started getting it done, leading all the way up to an incredible performance all the way through the Super Bowl. Uh, you lose Kendall Fuller, you lose some other guy. I'm, I'm a little bit worried that that's going to impact them a little bit more than... Kendall Fuller is a top option at the cornerback position in the league. He's This, this guy's great. And so I think they're going to feel that pain a little bit. And I'd, You know, if they... Uh, the thing about it is if you put up a lot of points on the Chiefs, they're just going to put up a lot of points on you. And so that just speaks great for fantasy football value. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? So it's not necessarily a bad thing for fantasy. All right, rounding us out in the division and in the AFC, we have a team traveling to a new home city. We've got the now Las Vegas Raiders, which That's is gonna so it's gonna take a season yeah. to really let that sink in. I, I've been typing Oakland and saying Oakland everywhere. It's 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 gonna be a rough transition. But yeah. Las Vegas. That's just that's just craziness. Um, right. That'll be that'll be an interesting city to even just try and play in. But uh, hopefully the, the 
the summer season, the desert weather doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't last too far into the football season. We should be past most of that by then, but still. I think it's a I think it's a dome too that they're going to be playing in, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so I, maybe with one of those like you know retractable roofs yeah. type of deals, but I I'd be surprised if it wasn't to be honest. Right. With you. Um, some of these these bigger guys, man, uh, they're already on oxygen takes as it is. Right. <laughs> so Derek Carr, yeah. no more excuses. No more excuses for Derek Carr, man. He's got a. You know, you can say what you want about the wide receiver talent last year because, you know, they, they bring in Antonio Brown expecting him to be the one and then just chaos ensues because, hey, it's Antonio Brown. And, you know, you brought over Tyrell Williams, uh, I believe, from the Chargers. Uh, just a big, big target to really compliment. He was meant to compliment Antonio Brown. And you got Hunter Renfro in the, the slot and uh, Darren Waller over at tight end who they were going into the season expecting big things from. And so... You know, there were a lot of people that were not surprised by Darren Waller's production last year, me being one of them. And so going into the year last year, they, they had it set up pretty well. And obviously that just fell through in a monstrous fashion. And then injuries plagued all over the place. This year, they just spent all the capital bringing in everything they could get their hands on and really attacking what they decided that they wanted to do with their scheme. Now... Part of me kind of feels bad for Mike Mayak because I'm really just really curious how much of this was his decision. Mike Mayak, you got to remember, is a, basically an analyst. He's just never never really worked with an NFL club before. He was just he was an analyst for NF, the NFL Network, you know, and or NFL.com or something <laughs> like that. And he got hired straight in as a general manager for this Raiders team. I mean, kudos to him. Right. I mean, hey, I'm super happy about that. <laughs> you know, and so. When it comes to Mayak, I'd really love to see him kind of get his team. And I'm, I'm curious how much of this was him or how much of it was him in uh, being influenced by Gruden, what Gruden wanted, and just kind of caving to that. I, I can only imagine the conversation where Gruden goes goes up to Mayak and, hey, rugs no matter what. First, rugs no matter what. It's rugs. Really? With CD and Judy? No. I mean, there's just, there's just no world. What, what if we could get both? Right. What if we could get rugs no matter what? Okay, John. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Rugs no matter what. Okay. I got it. Um, and so, you know, with Derek Carr, they really gave him all that. They're, they're really building this team for what they want to run it as. And they're, they're, this is obviously a scheme thing, right? Rugs going in the first round shocked everybody above CD Lamb and uh, Jerry Judy and even some other names, to be honest with you. And so when it comes to this, it, it, I think it's pretty clear that they're, they're trying to develop a specific scheme. They went out and they got their burner, just athletic freak, and, and Henry Ruggs. They also go out and get Lynn Bowden, who profiles somewhat similar to like a um, like one of those speed backs that's his body size. He's, he's, well, I mean, he's 5'11", about 200 pounds, and he runs a 4'3", So basically what I'm saying is this guy's like kind of like a running back build, with the Jets that running backs typically don't have. Yeah. And so you br- and then you also bring in Brian Edwards. Bowden, I think, concerns me a little bit more for the whole Jalen Richard, Josh Jacobs thing. Now, you, you say that you want to get Josh Jacobs more passes out of the backfield, but then you, ex- you re-sign Jalen Richard on a pretty decent contract, and then you bring in Lynn Bowden. That, those moves just, they don't, you know, A plus B does not equal D. I don't... Um, <laughs> I'm lost here, um, but with 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 Edwards, Edward is Edwards is kind of my guy for this team. Um, I really like the way this guy profiled coming out of college. He's a big target. I think that he's someone that Derek Carr is going to develop an instant chemistry with and kind of feel more comfortable with. I mean, just look at Darren Waller realistically. Um, 
My concern is is, is uh, on this this team is this death by over, over too many mouths to feed. You yeah. got Henry Ruggs, which obviously they're going to get him involved as much in, as early as possible. Edwards, I think, is going to earn a spot on the field uh, on the perimeter. Uh, you got Tyrell Williams coming back healthy. You got Hunter Renfro, who was their PP, who was their target machine, PPR machine. Uh, you know, he's not going away, and he was really effective in the slot last year. I think a lot of people were really hoping to see a step forward from Hunter Renfro. And then you still have Darren Waller, and then oh by the way, bring in Jason Witten, which <laughs> kind of like a Frank Gore with the Jets. You yeah. don't, you don't bring this guy in to just not use it. Sure. You know, he's not your capable backup should your guy go down. No, you, you have you have a plan for him. And so, what the hell is it? <laughs> I just don't, you know, I, I, I just don't know. They, they had, Maybe they're just overcompensating because, like, hey, look, we went into the season last year. We had our three receivers. We had our tight end, and we were good to go. Look how fast that collapsed. Okay, so what if we have more than enough receivers and more than enough tight ends? We're going to be good, right? Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, it's Gruden, so I'm going to go with it. Never, but hey. Right. Yeah. yeah, you can definitely tell just by looking, uh, particularly at the ads this year, they they build for a fast offense. I am really excited to see Henry Ruggs, mostly because I just finally got a chance to watch after seeing it all over the place. you got to check this kid out in high school on his basketball oh. team. Yeah, and I, I, would, finally I, got I a need chance. to see that clip. I need to see that clip. I finally got a chance to check that out, and this is like making moves like championship era Jordan. Sure. I mean, taking these that, slam dunks, taking that's these. That's true. Spins, it's impressive. It's, it is. True, it is incredible. Now, how that translates to the NFL, we'll see. Uh, yes, hi- hyper athleticism just tends to win. I mean, look at. Remember, do you remember all the hypes surrounding Tariq Cohen when he was drafted and the backflip that he did while he was catching the ball in each hand? You know, when you have guys that can yeah. just do weird things, you can find weird things on the field for them to do. And it, because the league is really not used to dealing with that yet, you can at least find some temporary success, if not something sustained. And so, you know, with this team, uh, all I really got to say is in three years when you're pissed off with John Gruden, just remember <laughs> you have another six. <laughs> all right. Well, on that bombshell, that's going to wrap us up with the AFC off-season preview and we'll also wrap up this episode of shy guys football podcast part two of our off-season preview join us in the next episode where we will be going over the nfc teams talking about more of those moves in the meantime if you want to engage with us you can reach us on twitter at shy guys football you can reach us at shy guys football at gmail.com or leave a comment down below on youtube Let us know what you're excited about, what you're looking forward to, and when the season hits, we definitely want to hear some of your questions, and we want to hear about how your season's going. We want to help you try and win. We want to hear about your big weeks, and we can share some of that knowledge of how to build yourself a nice winning team. But until next time, thank you guys for joining us.